Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is Sunday, January 16th. I'm glad you're all here this morning. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, along with 21 20, and 22. The people were waiting expectantly, and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the, heavens, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily in the form of a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Blessed is the word. Amen. I thank you all. It is truly a, a humbling thing. As long as this journey has been, and I know Chris shared a little bit that uh, she was my youth advisor, but I'm sure she didn't tell you all the bad things I did as a kid. I'll just keep that a secret anyway. It is truly humbling to be one called to do such a thing as preach to you. I will not take it lightly, and I thank you all for being there beside me through this whole journey. In today's scripture, we learn about Jesus' baptism according to Luke. And this scripture started out with people wondering who John the Baptist was. And all we know of John is he's the son of Zechariah, and he was a high priest, and he was the son of Elizabeth, who we know is the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, to be the Messiah, you had to be a descendant of David. So Zechariah being John's father, he was a high priest. We know that because he was in the Holy of Holies whenever an angel of God came down and said, you will have a son. So we know he's a priest. Now, the line of a priest usually goes back to the Levites. So we wouldn't assume that David would be in the line of the Levites. So that leaves us with Elizabeth, who being the cousin of Mary... And Luke goes through the lineage of Mary whenever he goes back clear to Adam and includes David. So this may be why they assume that Jesus could be the Messiah, a descendant of King David. Now John would have been brought up as a priest by his father. And those are the ways that he would have learned. He would have learned the ways of God, loving God with all his heart. And John went out into the wilderness to be alone with God. He became a little strange and by the way he dressed and eating locusts. 
I don't think that's a normal meal for you or me, but if you lived in the wilderness, that might be what you eat, whatever you have. And that's what God provided for him. Now we read in Luke 3, uh, starting at chapter or verse 2, and we read that as our call to worship. And while John was in the wilderness, the word of the God came to him, and he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance. Now John got that call from God, and then he went out into the world to preach. So you know he was in touch with God, and he followed his calling. He preached about baptism and repentance. So John was bringing people to repentance, changing their ways to be open to receive the hope that lies in the true Messiah. And we also see that John was not taking any credit for the message he was bringing to the people as one chosen by God because he humbled himself and pointed to the one who is to come, one who is more powerful the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to, I'm not worthy to untie. Now, I tried looking up baptism and where it came from. And I think Andrew would be better at some of these words than I am, but I'm going to just kind of go through a simple version of it. The English word baptism is derived indirectly through Latin from the neuter Greek concept noun baptisma. And then here's that Greek word that I am not even going to try to pronounce. And its meaning is washing or dipping, which is a neologism in the New Testament derived from the masculine Greek nouns baptismos, a term of ritual washing in Greek language, text of Hellenistic Judaism during the Second Temple period, such as the Septuagint. Both of these nouns are derived from the verb baptizo, I wash. And it's a transitive verb. This is used in Jewish texts for ritual washing and in the New Testament, both for ritual washing and also for the apparently new rite of baptisma. Now, although the term baptism is not used to describe the Jewish rituals, the purification rites in Halakha Jewish law and tradition called Tvilah have some similarity to baptism, and the two have been linked. The Tevilah is the act of immersion in natural source water, called the mikvah. In Jewish Bible and other Jewish texts, immersion in water for ritual purification was established for restoration to a condition of ritual purity. In specific circumstances, for example, Jews who, according to the law of Moses, became ritually defiled by contact with a corpse had to use the mikvah before being allowed to participate in the holy temple. Immersion is required for converts to Judaism. Immersion in the mikvah represents a change in status in regards to purification, restoration, and qualification for full religious participation in the life of the community ensuring that the cleansed person will not impose uncleanliness on property or its owners. Now, when you think of baptism, what do you think of? How old do you think you should be to be baptized? 
And I'm sure you've heard it, that baptism is the outward expression of your innermost feelings. For those who were baptized, did you give a faith statement before your immersion? John said he baptizes with water. That is what we recreate with our baptism service. We, re we show repentance with our faith statement. Then cleansing and showing faith in Jesus as we immerse in water, turning from our old ways and trying our best to live a life pleasing to God. Now, for those who gave you their faith statement, it gives a whole nother meaning. It, it's putting it in words and putting your life out there. It's a scary thought to come up here and tell people how you truly feel. By doing this, you're also letting God know you love him. By showing the faith of being dipped, immersed into that water, having been clean, cleansed in a ritual way, shows that you're giving your life to Jesus. Knowing that each of us has sin, we're not going to be perfect. We're still going to continue to sin, but we still strive to do exactly what Jesus wants us to do. That's the true meaning, is we try as best we can and we follow his ways. Now a commentator <clears throat> had this to say, a follower of Christ becomes sanctified, set apart for sacred use, cleansed and made holy through believing and obeying the word of God. He or she has already accepted forgiveness through Christ's sacrificial death, but daily application of God's word has a purifying effect on our minds and hearts. Scripture points out sin, motivates, motivates us to confess, renews our relationship with Christ, and guides us back to the right path. We then have an expectancy to receive the Holy Spirit, which is promised to be our helpmate and guide in this world until we go to heaven. When you receive salvation, you gain what Paul taught us in Ephesians 1, starting at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. So by believing in Jesus, you gain salvation, which you then receive the Holy Spirit, who is your guarantee to heaven, and heaven is where you have eternal life with God. In a nutshell, Jesus is life. So let's learn a little more about Jesus. In this verse in Luke, Jesus also baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke 3, 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
In Malachi 3, starting at verse 17, On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they, being the ones who fear or have reverence for God, will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his sons who serve him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left. Separating the chaff from the wheat is done by using a, a tool like a fork. And you pick up the wheat and you throw it up in the air. And all the chaff kind of blows off. It's either by wind or some kind of fan. Now, I know they didn't have electric back then, so they didn't have a fan that we think about. But they have some kind of machine that they made up to make the air move from one direction to the other. So they throw the wheat up in the air. The chaff goes off to the side. They collect it, and they burn it up. That's basically what God is doing with us. He's separating us. He's throwing us up into the air, giving us everything that we possibly need. And then the evil that is around us separates and is thrown into the lake of fire. The faithful receive eternal life through the promised Holy Spirit, while the evildoers are consumed in that lake of fire, which is unquenchable. Verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Jesus was not putting himself above anybody else. He was not making this big ceremony like you saw for me today. It wasn't this big, huge thing that everybody came to see one person. He joined the crowds. His adopted brothers and sisters, you and me. He joined everybody in this ceremony where John was just washing Cleansing people, calling them to repentance, change your evil ways. As Jesus came up out of the water in this gospel, which is Luke's version, he says that he comes up out of the water and then prays. And as he's praying, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. Now, we don't know timeline, so it's not like the other gospels are wrong by saying as he came up out of the water, the dove came down. I'm sure he came up out of the water and prayed, timeline, somewhere similar. So I'm not saying the other Gospels are lying. I'm saying they are all true. But as he came up out of the water, he prayed. And I'm sure that's the same thing that we do whenever we get baptized. We pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And for Jesus, the Holy Spirit did, in the form of a dove. By doing this, it fulfilled the prophecies and told John who the Messiah truly was. And then you heard this booming voice come from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is only one of three times that the Bible has the Trinity all in one time, one space. You have Jesus just baptized. You have the Holy Spirit just like a dove. And you have God's voice. Now, if you try and explain that to anybody, what a triune God is, and that's what we believe as Church of the Brethren, 
So I'm going to give you a couple helpful hints on how to tell or explain this. Okay, first one, if you take an egg, you have the outside shell, God, the protector of everything. Then you take the inside, you have the white, the Holy Spirit who surrounds us and is within us. And you have Jesus, the yellow, who taught us all that we need to know. He's the center. So if you think about that, the triune, it's all one thing, but separate parts. You have the yellow, the white, the shell. Another way you can use it is water. You have the water that came around us and flowed around us, which is Jesus. You have ice, still water, just frozen. The solid rock, God. And then if you boil water, you have steam. The steam can go in and out of us and not be seen. The Holy Spirit. It's all water, but it's three different things. So if that helps you explain the triune God to somebody, please use it. Take it. Jesus was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. This fulfilled the prophecies. And Jesus also waited till this moment to ritually present himself to God, the Father, so he could then start his ministry on earth. God gave him the power of the Holy Spirit and his blessing with his words of encouragement. We not, may not hear a booming voice from heaven when we get baptized, but you should believe God is saying with you, I am well pleased. And I'm not going to try and offend anybody, but it does not mean you have to be baptized. It's a personal choice. You choose to accept God. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And like I said, if you choose to do that, you come up and give your faith statement, showing of repentance. You immerse yourself in the water, ritual cleansing, and you give your life to God. We, as the Church of the Brethren, we hold that as sacred from the start of our Church of the Brethren way back when those first eight got baptized and they chose that way because that's how they interpreted the Bible. I want you to know it's a personal choice. However you choose to follow God, that's just our way. You can still believe in God and you don't have to do those things. Again, it's just what we believe as the Church of the Brethren. Do I wish that for you? Absolutely. Knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Holy Spirit came down upon him and God said, I am with you, I am well pleased, also tells us that Jesus is the way to heaven. What is taught, being taught in this passage is we were born human. We have sin in our lives. We need to repent. We need to turn away from our sin. We need to cleanse ourselves from sin, and we need to pray, be in conversation with God, and give our lives to do our best to follow the example Jesus lived on this earth. When we do this, we will feel God in our heart, and he is saying, with you, I am well pleased.
As we sing that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, you're telling everyone that you already believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, filling yourself with the Holy Spirit as God gives it to you, and you believe that God is your own way. Humbly, simply, we give our life to God, and we show others that same path. Turn of your evil ways, repent. Cleanse yourself. And tell others that you believe in God. Amen.